Hello and welcome to BakaCast, episode 389. I'm your host, Dustin. We're getting real close to 400 here. Uh, I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Ben. What's up? And Larry. Uh, let's see. The blues won. The levee isn't leaking. And I'm here. It's all good. Congratulations. Everything's coming up, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> for now. Yeah, for now. <clears throat> yeah, ex- except for your flight festival getting canceled, unfortunately. Hey, well, you know, uh, the levee hasn't leaked. It's just seeped. So, you know, there's yeah. a difference between 8 inches of water and 18 feet of water. Yeah. On the bright side, when God closes a door, he opens a window known as a new Microsoft Flight Simulator game, Simulator game, finally. Yeah, I'm, uh, I just gotta go out and buy a new video card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Oh, no, no, no doubt uh, about it, no doubt about it. No, 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 no. Anyway, shall we yeah, think- continue? Maybe. Sure. So, as you, as always, you can find show notes for this episode at uh, www.projectharahi.net or at audioentropy.com. Uh, and we will begin this uh, podcast by talking about One Punch Man, Episode 9, since uh, One Punch Man skipped an episode, well, uh, a skip it, week here. I think it got devoured by either the uh, French Open or the... Uh tennis tournament but yeah one or the other having watched episode nine i almost kind of wish i had watched whatever sports event yeah (laughs) that subsumed it um i mean it was okay i guess like there were a couple good jokes in there like speed of sound sonic uh, eating the monster cell to become a monster, but cooking it so because he couldn't stand. Because he's like, I don't know if this thing's actually safe to eat uncooked, and probably nullifying whatever powers it actually well, had. Uh, and the and the little punchline after he ate it is several hours later he got the runs. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that was good. Um, I liked Saitama's conversation with King. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was nice. I, I think, I think the issue with that was that Jace. Uh, I'm I'm hesitant to blame some of the issues on Jace. I'm hesitant to I'm hesitant to blame issues specifically on JC staff because it, in some cases, kind of feels unfair. Um, but in this case, it it felt like the jokes could have worked better. Uh, but the timing was off compared to how Madhouse handled it. I don't know. It just felt like the... Because the whole conversation that Saitama had with... Um, what's that dude's name again? King. Oh, oh wait. I'm King. I, I was thinking with... Okay, his conversation with King was good. That the was good. I was thinking the, the other that one his front teeth with knocked the, out. Uh, yeah, with the martial arts dude. Sweeryu. Sweeryu, yeah. Like... That con that conversation kind of tried to straddle the line between genuinely like, um, genuine genuinely like philosoph- philosophical and uplifting, and also like taking the piss out of itself. Yeah, and it almost worked, <clears throat> but in some places, 
like the comedic timing just felt a di- a bit off like either the joke came too fast or yeah it, it was I can't quite put my finger on it but the timing felt off to me I and thought so it, it didn't I quite thought it was, work as well as it could have I thought it was fine yeah um, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of with Dusty there I mean the only part that was when he went and wrapped himself around Saitama and you know said don't go don't go he'll kill you he's like man this is no problem yeah, and he could just casually walks off and murders the monster. Uh, but yeah, like Saitama's conversation <laughs> with King was like legitimately pretty good. Um, I, I don't know. I just wish there was a little more to it than that. Um, though I, I would like it if Saitama actually started to finally get a little more character development because he's been very stagnant so far. Like... Well, he's bored to tears. He he admitted it. Yeah, and like that, it's good that they're finally that they're finally sort of like delving into that and sort of asking why Saitama is so bored. Why has it? Why he hasn't tried to like actively do anything about it? Because King, like, sure, King's a fake hero, but he makes a good point that Saitama complains about being bored all the time. But also, he has no motivation to actually go out and, you know, do anything. Well, and the other thing, you know, <clears throat> getting back to the to the king, when when Garo shows up and he says, "Oh, that's King! I can take him out in one," and he goes flying at King from out of nowhere, and Saitama just blip, and they're walking. He goes, "Hey, you know, there's this guy that's supposed to be a monster that's out killing or maiming heroes." He says, "Sure, I'd like to run across him." Isn't this the second time that? Garo has ended up through a wall or embedded in the paper. Yeah, because the first time was a few episodes ago where yeah, he it's... randomly runs into uh, Saitama while Saitama's grocery shopping. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I could have sworn I, I remembered that through the wall bit at least once before, so okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the second time Saitama has just unknowingly just punked the main villain. And, and, and Bang and his brother are standing up on the roof going, yeah, I'm the only one that can handle Garo. And I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah, it really undercuts that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Bang and bomb, yeah, the brothers. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much that was the that was the best part we just covered right there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about it. I'll give it a two. It was it was I don't know. Well, I, I thought I, it was, just I, wasn't enough. I thought it was fine. I'll give it a four. I'm gonna in the middle. I'm gonna give it a three. It was. Uh, I mean the 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 Garo through the wall. Uh, the uh, uh, watchdog man uh, chewing up Garo. Uh, yeah, that 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 was that was quasi and the and the big mean you know monster. His head just kind of going plop after Genos being carried back to lab. Going, you know, I have to get the master and everybody together. We'll have to take this guy out. Boom, done. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's a uh, that's like one of uh, One Punch Man's main comedic modes is like the. Uh, is is having basically uh, having Saitama basically turn everything anticlimactic, mm-hmm. and I think it yeah. still works because it's still funny, at least to me. Well, I I like the I guess the part the other part that kind of tickled me is when all the members of the uh, Caro Association Council were sitting there going, "Yeah, well, we're going to hear from these monster guys," and the guy goes, in, "I got a message! I got a message!" And he turns into a monster. It's like. Oh, nice. I guess. That was <clears throat> exciting. 
Alright, moving on. Yeah, to Fairy Gone, episodes 9 through 10, which was kind of a mixed bag for me. Um, episode 9 was fine. Episode 10 yeah. was underwhelming. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, I think episode 10 is really a prime example of the problems with the storytelling style of this show, but we'll kind of get to that later. Well, let's cover 9 first, which I generally enjoyed. Um Mostly because, you know, it, it does advance the plot some more and has, like, a pretty decent fight scene in it as well uh, with um, with the, the fairy gang that we know and love, uh, or at least know and like, if we can remember what their names are at any given time, uh, being instructed to uh, transport a fairy weapon um, to uh, Duke... Is it Dice? Is his name? Or Dice? Yes. Uh, D i e s e. Yeah, I can't remember how they pronounce how they pronounce uh, it, that. It's Schwartz Dies. I would pronounce that Dies. Dies. Okay. It's German. But okay. That's the other thing. Uh, there's so there's too many there's too many mixing of uh, language names in here. Yeah, I mean, look, given given the uh, popular. Given how "quote unquote" popular Fairy Gone is, I doubt anyone's going to be tweeting at us to be pedantic about the pronunciation of this name. I'm not sure anyone cares. Uh, <laughs> at no, least not more, it, not any more than we do. That's the dude that strapped himself to his seat in the train when the train wrecked, so he wouldn't get hurt and to hell with everybody else. Over. Well, except yeah, so the, right. Except the thing is, though, what I'm not getting is why he's in on the plot because. They were going to give him the weapon anyway. Yes, but if he if, if the weapon's stolen, even though he has the weapon, that means nobody can check up on the weapon, so he can mess with the weapon at will, and nobody's going to know he's yeah. He's I guess with it. like a false flag, basically. It's like, oh, I'm actually working for that. I'm actually working for the enemy, but to protect my cover, I have to pretend. We, I have to basically stage a. That's what that robbery whole, essentially. Uh, that was that whole okay. Bit with, that was that whole bit with the two, you know, checking the weapons that were left, and then going and checking the other guy's weapon to make sure no, no, it hadn't been tampered with. And now this guy's got a weapon that they don't think he has, and he can tamper with it because they're not going to go looking for him to have it. Yeah, huh? Over. Okay, that's that scans. Okay. That, yeah, that's so that the, way you I can was, still I, keep his was, position. That was the only part of that I think I was awake through. <laughs> um, so, they get intercepted by um, a mercenary crew uh, hot, like, led by a BV Liskar, um, and uh, they have a fight like on near the train tracks, around the train, um, and Liskar has his own ferry weapon, I believe, or did he steal the one that was being transported? No, because no, I think he has he, his own. No, because uh, Free actually borrowed the weapon. Free actually borrowed that we- the the fairy weapon they were transporting in order to fight in order to fight them, but he still lost. Oh right, yeah, um, yeah. So Liskar and his group just uh, hand the uh, the heroes their asses, basically. Well, it, uh, he's got help, but yes. Yeah, but, like, they, the heroes sort of take their first, like, really bad defeat. Um, yes. And also, uh, Oz just dies. 
uh, by getting chopped real good by the fairy weapon. That's just a big ass sword, basically. Um, while he uh, tries to protect Marlia, uh, and that kind of leads us into episode ten. I don't have a ton to say about nine because uh, it's like a lot of mostly I mean, like plot a... progression and action. It's it's decent. Yeah, episode ten was a whole lot of moping and oh, not gosh, much else. Yeah. And well, it, I, it was the I'm feeling sorry for myself episode that probably shouldn't have happened. Because yeah, we, yeah, alre- we already knew that Marlia felt herself as being a uh, cursed a, child, cursed she child. says. Yeah. And yeah. it's like... I, I, I get what they were trying to do with this, but it's handled really sloppily. Uh, for one thing, Marlia... Marlia's turn is just handled really sloppily because it's... She just starts, she just feels bad for herself and cries a lot about it until enough of her friends say that they believe in her and, you know, they're, it's all their responsibility to protect each other. So it's no one's fault until eventually that sticks at the end. Uh, So it's not like, it doesn't feel like Marlia really comes to a personal realization it's more like they just said the thing they've been saying long enough and eventually Marlia believed it. Uh, secondly, they try to do a thing with um, this mafia boss called Don Jingle, who, man, that's a name for a mafia boss, <laughs> uh, who Marlia used to be like a part of their mafia family. And like, we're meant to... Like, we're meant to see him as sort of, like, this kind of father figure to Marlia, but unless I'm mistaken, we only just meet him in this episode. I don't think he's ever mentioned before now, right? Um, Unless I'm forgetting something? No, it's just that she was working for him prior to episode one. Yeah, so, like, there's supposed to be this prior connection between them, but it, it... it's not like we we don't really get a good sense of what Marlia was even like in the Mafia or what their relationship was beyond just generic, like, cliche pseudo-father figure. Um, so I never really... I never really bought... I guess I... It's not, I guess not necessarily I never really believed it, but I never really cared about it enough to be like yes this was a worthwhile diversion yeah it, um, this, this episode really didn't have the impact that it was supposed to yeah and and that's sort of like this is sort of like the worst example of this ongoing thing with fairy gone where marlia has a ton of this backstory and they'll just bring it up Rant, they'll just bring it up whenever the current plot happens to require it to try and give us context. But because it's only being brought up when it's explicitly relevant to a current plot event, it just feels arbitrary and it doesn't have the weight it should. Yeah. Uh, 
It's just a really bizarre way to structure a story. Like, if Marley is back, if Marley's history is so important to the telling of the current story, you probably should have made the first third of the season or so just about her backstory. Like, don't necessarily don't necessarily have to give it a ton of time, but like, you know, give us a give us a decent enough overview so that but so that by the time we get to her like with the fairy crew, like we already know that backstory and understand what the established relationships mean to her. Um, I mean, if you and if you want to get us like really hooked on episode one, just do like a framing device of like cold open to her with the fairy gang, and then do a like, oh well, here's how I ended up here, and then start with you know the the past and actually go through it in chronological order, but. I mean, that's just one idea of how they could have done it better, but, I'm, yeah. Mm. It's a shame, because, like, there's a lot of good ideas in this movie. Not not movie, what am I saying? There's a lot of good ideas in this series, but, man, the, the, the narrative is just being told so messily. I agree. Yeah, the uh, the power of friendship and comradeship. I mean, it's nice to find out that she used to be a bodyguard for a uh, a Don, but you know, uh, we could have done that. We could have done that without taking a whole episode. Well, also, like, I would have actually liked to seen to have seen that. Yeah. Like, it, if they had actually spent time actually giving, like, properly going through her backstory before starting the main story proper. We could have seen her being a being a bodyguard. That would have been neat because she doesn't seem like the bodyguard type. <laughs> so, like, well, how did that end up working out for her? It's like it's like the Don's comment. He says, "Well, the little wild one has finally got herself some comrades." Well, hey, well, we haven't seen the little wild side of her. Yeah, she's not wild at all. Yeah, <laughs> like she's. Well, yeah. Hello, <laughs> ding ding. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. they keep trying to make Marlia into. They keep trying to tell us things about Marlia that she never really expresses through her actions or her words. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... So far, yeah, so this, uh, this ep- so episode 9 was okay. I would give it a 4. Episode 10, I would give it 2. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with those ratings. Yeah, I can I can go with a forty two. Oh, yeah, fairy guns still okay, but man. Well, and see the thing is, we know that there's going to be a second core, so we're not expecting. Oh no, we're probably going to get the inevitable cliffhanger to keep us on our toes until October. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see. Her and Veronica end up in a in a onsen or something. Who knows? All right. Anyway, uh, let's uh, move on to Carol and Tuesday episodes nine through ten. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, it, it's episode nine. Okay, I liked episode nine, but it was kind of dumb. It had some, yeah, it had some problems. I, I like the idea of the song that the Mermaid Sisters did, just like them totally not reading the room and 
sing a song that's extremely profane. Um, uh, yeah, so but man, one. do I hate that they are a very stereotypical drag queen joke in the style of drag queen joke that we often see in anime. Well, and the other it's thing, very bad. The, the other word of warning is if you watch this episode, make sure you're not on speakers and it's not loud because when they stop, start singing, if anybody gets offended, they're going to get offended. Yeah. Uh, I was also really worried about how they portray GGK because they also seemed like uh, someone who would just be there to be laughed at given how they introduced themselves. But like their songs were okay. Gravity bounce wasn't very good, but Milky way was honestly like a song I would listen to. Well, the, the funny uh, thing is GGK in, in generational terms, we would have called her a space cadet. <laughs> you know and, um, and, and there's nothing wrong i mean i've i've got i've had, I've had friends that, that that would fit that and they're basically nice people but to talk to them it's like uh wait a minute are you from this planet and um how did you come by this yeah hello ding ding anyway i digressed yeah also it is I feel like Watanabe is kind of, though I guess, like, I'm looking through here, and, like, honestly, almost none of the, actually, none of these are actually written by Watanabe, but it, it, feel, it feels like the, the story so far has been about how Carol and Tuesday are special, because they don't use AI. They write their own mm -hmm. songs. They're doing it traditionally. And there's kind of this undercurrent in the show of judgment toward the people who do use AI to write their songs. And that message feels like it's a bit undercut when the the people who are supposedly using AI to write their songs, like GGK and explicitly Angela, make stuff that's just as fun to listen to, if not in some cases more fun. Um, in the case, I, I I actually like GGK's Milky Way song a lot, the first one she does. Uh, then what Carol and Tuesday have made, and it's not like. Carol and two and like Fabulous Blue has pointed out pointed this out as well. It's not like Carol and Tuesday's lyrics are any more personal. Granted, the show tries to say the lyrics are personal to them, but they don't feel that way. It just feels like generic, like pop pop song music that literally anyone could sing because it's just vagaries about love and you know doing doing my best and reaching for the stars and, well, and stuff the, like that and the thing is is you know the due to time constraints they're only getting to sing like two minutes like an intro or an outro i mean they, they, they can't even the song can't even express any uh, it's it's you, it's there. That's pretty typical of these music competition shows. I know. Uh, I I re yeah. 
But again, like, this show is theoretically, and this is what it's been trying to push, it's theoretically about how Carol and Tuesday are special because they are, like, the old style of musicians. You know, when when we weren't having everything made by robots and AI and and your lyrics came from the heart. And it's just like, no, it's just the same pop music stuff everybody else does. It's not special. Well, and also, not... <laughs> also what's also also what's kind of interesting is how uh, in episode ten, Tao, you know, who's like who's, su- who's supposed to be like sort of like the epitome of like this, you know, you know AI AI centered music production uh, thing. He's the AI um, guru, right? But the thing is, is that Tao actually, you know, intervenes. Based, based on his own intuition, uh, in ch- to change up Angela's song, yeah, in the middle of the in the and middle, like of Angela the, kills right, it in the middle like, of the competition, yeah. Which, okay, that's a very, which is like that's a very human thing. <laughs> yeah, and like, all I want is a was a pretty fun song. Like by the standards of this show, like have I heard better pop tunes than that in real life? Absolutely. Is it pretty good by the standards this show has set? Yes. Um, I mean, there, there's and been, there's been some B songs that have been better than some of the stuff that's been sung on this. But we're, <laughs> we're not gonna go there. Yeah. So like, yeah. As much as this, it, it feels like this show is at odds with itself. Uh, in a way, because like the the people we are kind of, it feels like we were supposed to be rooting against. Um, like they're making good music, like they deserve to be there just as much as Carol and Tuesday do. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet, it feels like we're constantly supposed to be assuming that you know, oh, they don't actually deserve their spot because all their talent comes from computers. Well, when, like, no, I think the only talent that came from computer would be Angela's. The rest of them, uh, I don't think, are computer. Uh, and if so, computers well, it, computers have picked up some really bad habits. Uh, it's explicitly stated that a lot of these people use at least use computers to craft their songs. Okay. Um, but yeah, but they but they craft but they but they thing about okay the way it seems. AI production, AI music production works is that is that they're crafted. I mean, is that they they use AIs to assist in the crafting of music, but they craft it according to parameters set by this, you know, by the, you know, by the musicians themselves. I mean, like, because it's like, okay, you know, I mean, it's like GGK is, is presumably, you know, using an AI but telling it. You know, to to make a song, to make a song that fits her personality, and yeah. it seems to be work. And it seems to work pretty nicely. Yeah, m- most likely, but also like the whole AI crafting music thing is so vaguely defined. Like it's tough to really know how how much influence it has over the song. Um, there's just like this constant vague sense that. Like, there's this that we're supposed to think that oh, this is it's a shame that 
you know, there aren't bands like Carol and Tuesday in this world anymore. Well, it's like, I mean, yeah, um, I, I, I understand where you're going, but you know, I... it feels very old man yelling at clouds. <laughs> well, it's kind of like everybody's listening to Elvis, everybody's, and then all of a sudden, you know, this musical craze from across the pond, especially the United Kingdom, uh, shows up, and everybody's like, "Oh, wait a minute, what's this?" I mean. The Beatles, Stones, Hermits, Hermits, they all, Dave Clark, they all pretty much sounded alike until. But the first batch of British rock and roll, it was really hard to sit there and, especially listening to it on an AM radio station, trying to tell who was singing what, which, until the announcer said, yeah, it was Hermits, Hermits, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> because they sounded that much alike. And then. They developed. I mean, you know, a lot of people were very upset when the Beatles went to India and run across Robbie and all those people and come back with the Nehru jackets and playing the funny instruments. But they were looking for a sound. They were looking for something. And that's where Carol and Tuesday are. They're looking for something. And they're finding it on their own. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're not going, computer, what do you think today's sound should be? So that, yeah, I I think I that would be it. more convinc. Yeah, I guess I think it'd be more convincing if Carol on Tuesday's songs were actually markedly better, or at the very least felt more personal to them. But they don't. They feel just as generic as any, everybody else's. Well, that's the pro- it, problem nowadays. Just about every genre has been explored, and uh, there's a word that I won't use, but been explored and. Hmm. Wore out. Yeah. Wore, wore, wore out. And I mean, and, and yet there are still bands who well, do yeah. like stuff that's really cool and unique and does feel personal. The the one I will shout out is um, Kesha's most recent album, Rainbow. The the first one that she released um, since like her uh, since her like um, court battle against her abuser. Um, who was her producer. And that album is, like, great across the board. I can't think of a single song I don't like in that. And it's very... Per- and it's There's a lot of tracks in there that are very personal and a lot that are just, like, really kind of goofy fun. Um, but there, there are so many, like, different styles in that album and yet they all feel like a, like Kesha songs. Um, there's even one that she collaborated on with Dolly Parton. Like, sure. it's it's a really good album. So, like, and, you know, that, that coming from a pop singer who, uh, you know, uh, plenty of people well, dismissed I... as being shallow. Well, I... Um and I go back to there was a show in the sixty-five or sixty-six. I think it was sixty-six. Might have been sixty-seven, where uh, Paul and Paul McCartney and John Lennon ended up showing up at Henry Mancini's studio, and they, the three of them, made music together. And this was about as too far apart genres as you could get. They made good music. <laughs> I mean, it was excellent music. Um, I think there's a clip of it up on YouTube somewhere. 
I don't know how, what to tell you to search for because I saw the show live. Or, well, nothing back then was live, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think, like, yeah, like, there's... Genres have been endlessly expanded upon and, like, you know... And sort of, like, exhausted in terms of, like, where you can go with them. But if you are able to make a song where someone goes, yeah, someone goes, oh, yeah, that song is definitely from this band. Like, if it's, like, immediately recognizable, um, a lot of times that'll <coughs> pretty far. Just, like, make stuff that's very you. And, I don't know, I'm just not getting that from carol on tuesday like the, the like the characters in the show it doesn't feel like the songs are them um and maybe like the point of the show is eventually they'll like learn that and that's how they'll finally break out is that they will make a song that is them uh, um they're, they're getting because like because galact because like milky way is definitely ggk like <laughs> yeah but <laughs> Well, I, here's the thing. The the end of episode 10, something happens to Tuesday that could change how... Well, it's going to change how they handle their next appearance. And uh, through that, we may get a change in their musical perspective. Gosh, yeah, that's another thing. So the, the stuff with Sybil. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with them... I'm conflicted because, like, I'm okay with them, like, with with the show exploring the idea of an obsessive fan, of an abusive fan, and, like, how Tuesday, who is fairly sheltered and somewhat naive, handles that. Um, but also, yeah, I don't know, for... Given how the show has handled, you know, queer people ever since, like, kind of the kind of the only like decent portrayal we've had is um, Gus's ex-wife. Well, <laughs> and I... since then, it's been a bunch of stereotypes and like kind of problematic portrayals, and that's what Sybil is. Um, and Sybil's other problem is, is if Sybil can't have it, nobody can. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I guess it'll depend on how the arc ends. So I'm way, I'm withholding final judgment until that, because I mean they could do a, they could do a decent job of like exploring how that kind of relationship would would affect a person, but also given given the tone that the show has been going for so far and how desperate it's wanted to be to just be like a goofy comedy a lot of times, I don't have a whole lot of faith in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm with you on that because I'm, I'm looking at this going, really? Like, it's, it's a fun enough show, but it's fairly shallow, all things considered, so... You can't really be shallow with that with this kind of con with when you're exploring that kind of storyline. No. Uh, I I'm I'm not quite sure how to how to handle that. 
in fact i'm still i'm still debating on how to handle it yeah that's that's why i'm withholding judgment because i do want to see how that particular arc ends first i feel like i need the full context of how they're going to treat it um for now i'll just say nine was decent but had some stuff i didn't care for like the portrayal of the mermaid sisters um and yeah uh, 10 was also pretty okay but also i'm a little worried about the stuff with sybil i don't know i'm so conflicted about this show these days i'm yeah well well, nine was okay it was hella entertaining to me but it but it's but it but it kind of you know it kind of breaks if you it kind of breaks if you think about it too hard yeah, uh but i still i still show. enjoyed it while i was watching it it just like it's it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense um but 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 that was sort of like the same th- the same issue i had with episode 8 too which is yeah. it's like you know Okay, once you get on the st- once you get to like the semifinals, you know, you know the top. Once you get to like you know the top eight, and you're like on stage live, you think the producers would do more vetting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they should have absolutely caught what you know the mermaid sisters were about to do. <laughs> like, there's there's no way in hell that would happen by accident. You, you think? You would think, yes. Uh, no, the uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes like these, uh, like I mean, like for instance, way back when, you know, American Idol has had issues where, like, uh, they found out stuff in midstream about contestants. <laughs> and oh, uh, I mean, when it's personal history stuff, yeah, I yeah, can, okay. I can see I have missing a, that. I have but... a question: Were we giving this scores yet? Uh, oh yeah, right. I'm gonna give episode nine a four, and uh, I'm gonna give episode ten a four as well. I'm gonna give both of them threes. Me, I think. Me too. I uh, I was. Um, I mean, we, we've got the drama set up for the next couple of episodes, and I think I'm trying to remember is this twelve or thirteen? I think this is twelve. Uh no. Uh, I think uh, Carol and Tuesday is supposed to be longer, longer it's two, than that. It's two core. You're right. It is two core. Okay. I, well, yeah. I, Otherwise, I was going to say, if it was only supposed to be 13, we don't have a lot of time to get to the supposed miracle. No. <laughs> so, no yeah, they, well, they, see, they, the, the one thing I do want to go back is where they were in the building, or outside the building, getting ready to go in, and Tuesday looked up and saw her mother, and Carol come out with the with the present behind her back that she still hasn't given to Tuesday yet. And she walks up and she goes, she looked up, she's looking at Tuesday, looking at this, your mother's a politician, right? Yeah. That's not, yeah. Oh my, whoops. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So mom's got a, yeah, gonna be a while before uh, gonna be a while before Carol and Tuesday revolutionize Martian culture. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I, I'm still waiting to see what happens when Mom finds out what her little girl is doing. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to that bit. Yeah. Uh, All right. Speaking of little girls and mothers, I think it's time for some Fruits Basket. Uh, Fruits Basket 9 through 10. Uh, I like 9 a lot. Yeah. Uh, So I I mentioned uh, during our last recording that um, Cow is basically a much better version of Boar. Yes. And I will hold to that, especially when comparing Episode 9 to Episode 10, where Boar shows up again. Oh, she was born. Which, too soon. Um, But he actually has, like, a a fun kind of, like, uh, you know, split, not split personality. Uh, He has, like, a fun kind of, like, um, dual, dual personality, I guess. Dual mood. Um... Uh, particular, and I, I do like his fight with Kyo a lot. Or was it you? Yeah, it was. Ki- uh, yeah, it was Kyo. Yes, because Yuki was on the sidelines being sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I also really like. Um, man, let's see here. What was the one who like? Uh, uh, Toru's friend who has the wave that's, stuff. That's Hana. Hana. Hana, yeah. I I really love how she gets out of doing the doing the marathon. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, poor me. I couldn't possibly go another step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, like, and after she uh, gets out of the marathon, she's like playing cards with people and kicking their asses. Oh, that was so well, good. This, 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 this is the, you know, this is the, uh... You know. I love Toru's friends. <laughs> so yeah, good. they're very good. I love whenever they interact with the rest of the cast. So it's like, yeah, this was like... Hmm. Yeah, so, like, the, this episode, like, was a lot of fun. It had, it had a lot, it had a lot of good moments for like all the major characters so far introduced a um like another fun another like fun zodiac character in the form of cow whose name i am currently uh trying to remember uh haru something haru yeah um and it had a lot of good gags um so yeah i was i i was a fan of episode nine do you have any I have anything like more, uh, uh, more to say about it, or well, I don't know, it, it's, I'm having trouble finding anything deep to say. It's like when the when the older brother looks at uh, Toru and says, "Now say this to him," and the minute she does, he goes, "Poof!" Oh yeah, and addressed him by his call name. him by his given name. Yes, uh, Hatsuhara. Yes, Hatsuharu. Yeah, full name of the cow. Hey, and you know what? I did that pretty good. I'm getting better at this Japanese stuff. Uh, yeah. Also, I just like how this show this show draws a cow. Yes, it's a very good cow. It's a Holstein, it's or I guess ox. Well, well, same thing. Yeah, it didn't have horns though, did it? No. Really? 
I thought, it, uh, thought it did. I don't think. I don't think. I don't remember seeing. Well, then again, it might have had horns, but you got to remember, in my neck of the woods, if it isn't Texas and hasn't got twelve foot of horns on it, it ain't no. It ain't no bull. <laughs> oh, how'd you like all Google search is just giving me a bunch of images of Hatsuharu in his human form. This is not helpful. Give me, give me the Bishonen cow, Google. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's supposedly an ox. Yeah, okay, yeah, no no horns, yeah. So. That's kind of surprising, actually. Well, it makes him easier to draw, although I just brought up a picture of an ox and an ox that's, well, this is an uh, Australian ox, so, yeah, you know, things in Australia are a little, sorry, Australia. <laughs> Uh, also, I'm, I'm comparing images of him in 2001 anime to 2019, and Hatsuhara's hair has gotten a lot more feathered since t 2001. <laughs> well, I think it's easier for the computer to draw. Okay, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm checking the Zodiac form. Yeah, Zodiac form doesn't have horns. Has, like, sort of the top, like, bit of hair, though, the messy hair, and also keeps his piercings. Which is great. Okay, now that uh, we've gotten anyway, that far. Nine was fun. Um, ten... I mean, Cogger is here, I guess. But for the most part, this, this episode is pretty decent. Wow. Uh, mostly because, like, it, it delves a little bit more into Kyo's hang-ups regarding Yuki. Well, and the other, um, thing, the other thing we get here is... Uh girls and chocolates and cute guys because uh, usually it's guys fawning over girls and now you got girls fawning over guys well that's japanese valentine's day for you i know yeah i know but um, still you know and well actually what okay. again hana has one of the best parts of this episode where she says ah yes and i take the chocolates at the end <laughs> has his own uh well dark side and he seems to be uh he seems to be kind of manipulating toru uh to deal with whatever akito is up to yeah and so i'm i'm sort of interested to see uh i'm sort of interested to see uh how that plays out yeah also i i I like when Shigure. I did really like when Shigure confronts Kyo, a, like, and says, "Like, hey, why do you feel like you have to hate Yuki so much?" Because um, there's an implication there that like Kyo doesn't really have a rational reason to hate Yuki, um, and that he's never he's never really tried to even get to know Yuki, but all on the other hand, like, Yuki himself doesn't often try to get to know anyone either. Both of them are... Both of them are very closed off. Um, 
and use this sort of like irrational hatred of each other as a way to keep themselves closed off and not have to con- confront you know what their own issues are uh so it's almost like they hate themselves at hate each other as a like coping mechanism like as a safety mechanism um, yeah which like is a I'm not I I'm sure this was it was this was in the original anime but there's a lot that was in that anime that I don't remember just cuz it was a long time ago and also I was gosh that was 2003 when that came out so I would have been well, actually older or older than that so I would have been very young so I certainly didn't have the critical reading skills to you know have have these analyses at the time um, but it's like a cool little wrinkle to put into like the typical sort of rival storyline that you get in these sorts of anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then you also have the thing with Shire like admitting to manipulating Toru and feeling bad about it, but also doing it because he feels likely because he feels like it's it's his best shot at actually maybe mending the family in any sort of way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Right. You know, sort of getting... I think, I think... Like, I think the end game is... is getting through Akito's defenses. Yeah. Yeah, because it does definitely feel like the family is as split as they are largely because of the actions of Akito, who eventually just puts so much strain on the family that even if the rest of the family, like, would, under normal circumstances, mostly get along with each other, like, Akito being the figurehead kind of forces them away from each other. So yeah, it's I, I I I like what episode ten does, even if it does have Kagura in it for a bit. Yeah, well, she's less annoying than she was in her for, in her first introduction. Yeah, and she and and Hondo get along sort of that movie scene. I, I, uh, I've, done, I've done the double dating movie thing where the guys, it's usually the other way the ground, the girls are huddled together not watching the movie and the guys are like oh, go Godzilla, kill, kill, kill yeah the only good part about Kagura being in this episode is when Kyo slowly realizes it's Valentine's Day after, some, after a girl gives him some chocolate and going, oh crap oh crap it's like, <laughs> I have to leave uh I, it, also, I love their teacher. <laughs> yeah, and, and Shigure's editor is also pretty funny. Uh yeah, I do remember the editor from from the uh, from the previous adaptation. Poor um, editors. I, I forgot story. how rad Toru's homeroom teacher is, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. So what are we just giving? friggin' clotheslining Kyo? So what are we giving them? I like a, I like fours. Uh, I'm gonna give nine a five and ten a four. Yep, same here. 
Yeah, so. I've been looking at depressing things all day, so it's like maybe my <laughs> scores are a little depressed. Uh, no questions. Uh, did you? Bother, yeah. So, did you bother tweeting to anybody to see if? Nope. Totally forgot to tweet. We got to remember to do that. Yeah. We, yeah, we do. We, we got to see if anybody's going to give us the Boyd. Uh, 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 uh. There we go. I got in. My, uh, I got in my Boyd joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, it's been a strange week around here, folks, and you can tell by this recording. Yeah. Shall we uh, yes. drop, kick, punt, and leave? Unless you got something. I mean, yeah, we could talk I, about I, Flight Simulator for the next two and a half hours. But no. I would rather not. Because, hey, yeah, we're, I think well, we're you got to burn now. food, so, I mean, we understand. Nah, but, that's, that. I got plenty of time this time, because... Uh, uh, candle lighting is candle lighting is uh, candle lighting is a few is later is later around around this time so that's fine. <laughs> oh, we, oh, oh, we got him for a couple minutes. Quick, no, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because uh, yeah, because uh, the way I do things is I time things so that uh, I finish cooking dinner around sundown. Uh, Which and yeah, so you're still on summer the since it's almost summer. Yeah, sundown comes pretty late. Yeah, you're on the long end of sundown. Come back in three months, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I got I got I got plenty of time to waste. All right. <laughs> at least, well, now, least, now that we're to the twenty-third inning of this marathon baseball game, and it's still four-four, shall we leave? Yes, I would say so. So, uh, as always, you can leave comments or questions on, on our blog at projecthari.net or in the comments on audioentropy.com. Uh, you can also tweet at me at StiltsTheGM. You can tweet at me at DeathSlinky. I don't tweet. I just get the boyd. Yep. Uh, or gives the bird. Either way, it's better to give than receive. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kittabush. Uh, it can stop raining. Noah's on the third arc. Okay? It can stop raining. Bye-bye. <laughs>